And so this morning, um, I want to kind of like, yeah, read us the scripture just quickly. It's Philippians 1 verse 27, and it says this, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Amen? It's the there and then. Who's in heaven yet? <laughs> no one. Okay. But the encouragements, you must live to the there and then. Okay. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news. Conducting meaning the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I look at people, the way I love people, the way I struggle with those that are not showing love to me, the way I spend my finances, what I focus my time and my effort on. I need to conduct myself myself in every matter according to the good news that is having its way working out in me. Does that make does it make sense for us? It's not me reading into it. No, that's what scripture is saying here. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then Paul speaking. So whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together that you are abiding, that you are belonging, that you are finding your place with the whole body of Christ, that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Which is the good news. Which is the news that Jesus saves which is the news that this world will pass away, which is the news that it's only Him that can forgive you of your sins. It's only Him that can take you from the here and now to the there and then. That there's hope. That there's forgiveness. That there's a release and a reprieve from the pressures of this world, having to live according to how this world thinks. That's the good news. And for each and every one of us here this morning, like we've heard just even in the scriptures, I want to remind us this morning, this is not a Bible, but I think it is, it's leather. The good news. You have the good news that's working out inside of you. Don't cause yourself to be blinded by the light of this world. Don't. There's so much more that God wants to show you and wants to talk with you. He wants to walk with you. I'm not trying to rhyme here. But He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. That is the good news. Don't sell yourself short. And I know I said last week I want to smack you. Just go like, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. But the reality is, I still want to smack you. Just wake up, wake up, don't look at the light. Because the light's going to get you into a place where you'll pass away with the desires of this world. There's nothing good news about that. So today, Christian, believer, brother, sister, redeemed, fellow citizens, give yourself the light of God. Give yourself to Him. Allow Him to come and work out and work in you. 
allow his good news, but be awakened, be open, be, be like, so, like, go like, and have this, this, this desire in your heart of saying, God, I want to see your light of your kingdom. There's no amount of preachers, no amount of studying, no amount of anything that will give you that desire. There's you coming before God and recognizing that He is God and in that place going like, Lord, You are the only one who saves. Work in me. Show me Your life. So this morning, I want to kick off where we ended off last week. Last week, again, we spoke about where we come from. This morning, we're going to speak about who we are. Amen. So let me read us the scripture and then we'll pray. Romans 12, and we ended off last week's preach with a scripture. Romans 12 is 1 to 2 and says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. God, we want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you for your salvation, God, the good news that you have given to us. And I thank you, God, that your salvation and this amazing good news that we've heard is no longer just something that we've heard, God, but it's something that we can see is working out its way in our hearts. And so we pray that this morning that you will come and work in us through your word. Jesus, we want to come and we declare that you are the most holy God. We declare to all the powers and principalities and all those in positions and all ways of thinking that there is no one like our God. He stands holy and he stands alone. And this morning, as your word comes, God, we want to say we bow only to you and follow you alone, God. And so help us this morning, God. There's truly none like you. You are the one true living God. Amen. So, we've been reading in Philippians. And it starts off by Philippians 1 verse 1. And I'm going to read that for us. It says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. Now, something I want us, and you can keep it up there, Mike, something I want us to focus on here this morning is the way he identifies the people of God. He identifies them by God's holy people. And that word holy has got some very big meanings. And even for Paul, where he's sitting at the moment writing from, he's writing from prison. 
So he's in the worst place, and he's writing from prison, and he could have easily said that I'm writing from prison, I'm a slave to the Romans or whatever. I think it's the Romans, he's in Rome. Um, But no, he's writing and saying, a slave of Christ Jesus. And I go, there's something there of how he sees himself. And he knows that regardless of what is going out around me, the here and now is not as important as the there and then. And the there and then for Paul in this moment is that I am a slave to Christ. I'm a slave to his will. I'm a slave. I belong to him and him alone. And he identifies himself as that place, regardless of what is happening around his physical moment in that in that place. And then he calls to the people of God. And he says this, God's holy people. He again, he's not speaking to the Philippians that they are these amazing people. No. He's not identifying to them, ah, oh, you wretched people of God. Why are you so? No. He speaks to them about the there and then. The way God looks at them. The way God identifies them. God's holy people. And this morning, I want to speak to us. And say to us, Good morning. God's holy people, good morning. And you might not feel this moment and in this moment that you are God's holy people. But I want to say to you that the way God looks at us and the way what he calls us to and what he calls us into is to be God's holy people. Amen. And so this morning as we come into this, it's kind of like the place where I want us to end off in. It's a place where as we walk out here this morning, that we would look at ourselves as God's holy people. And so I'm giving us a little bit of, um, I played golf the other day, and um, there's this one hole, with, and you've heard me speak about this, where there's a pole that actually says just hit in this direction. Anyway, regardless to say, not on that specific hole, but it didn't always go in that direction, okay? There was a, quite a strong wind that was coming, and we were on this um, par three, and it's right on the beach like this, um, and, and just, just as a disclaimer, I was invited to come. Um, so just before you think, it's, I sit all my days playing golf. I don't. Um, because you will hear what happened, and you will see it's proof, okay, that I don't play too much golf. So there's a, a massive wind that's coming on, and as this wind is like you're hitting straight into it, and so it's just a par three, um, and because this wind is so strong, I take my, my one club, it's like a fairway wood, and I know kind of like I will be able to hit it at the very least with the wind, probably just before the green, because I want to be as close to the green as possible. And I stand, and the wind is pumping, and I go, and I hit. And as I hit the ball, it's just a beautiful ball. It goes, it kind of like, it's got this moment of where it goes slow, and then, and as it goes like this, and it goes into the wind that's coming, it starts going like. But the thing is, on the side of me, and like the hole is there, but there. There's a whole bunch of houses, okay? 
I know it looks nice to have a house on the golf course. Believe me, it's not nice, okay? And this, these people found out today why. And so I hit the ball, and as I hit the ball, it goes, shoo, and it's gone. And it's in between the houses, and I go, like, try to listen out. Did something break? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to find that ball. Anyway, hit another ball, went much better, okay? Whether it was the wind, whether it was me, we'll find out one day in heaven. But as we go on, <laughs> as we go on with this, with this hole, eventually hit and, and finished putting, did well. I think I got a, just a plus one there. And um, the lady um, that works in the house, with, uh, and she's kind of like a nanny, and she comes out, Hello, hello, whose ball is this? <laughs> And I'm like, it's mine. Um, and I walked in, and I'm like, hey, I'm really, really sorry. And as I'm saying, I'm really, really sorry, she goes, nah, you must see what you've done. <laughs> and she shows me this f- photo, and I kid you not, it's like they didn't realize that you can build with bricks, because all they did was build with glass, okay? And so it's this whole or not a hole, is there was a panel of glass um, on this corner window coming together, and I basically cleaned out for them that whole panel of glass. Anyway, what am I saying with this? I can't play golf. <laughs> no, what I'm saying with this, Helen mentioned something today. That this world... And the culture of this world is like running head on into the culture. It's like a wind that you're running, you're facing it head on. And everything of this wind is wanting to get us completely off course. And that does end in destruction. And so the the call for me and for you is to absolutely devote ourselves to the kingdom of God to his spirit, to his word. And that's the only way we're able to stay on course amidst the wind that we're facing. And the encouragement from scripture is this, that God will cause us to stand firm. God will cause us to face the things of this world. He says, it's going to be a lot of these things, trials, tribulations, difficult things, shakings. But we're coming from an unshakable kingdom. That's where we come from. And so as we stand here in the space, we've got to realize we're standing in some ways on unshakable ground. Even though everything around us is going... We're standing right here and we're going like, this is not going to move. Because this is more true than this. And so we've got to stand in this place and go like, Lord, you have spoken. And step by step... Moment by moment, day by day, we keep on just moving forward. We keep on on the solid ground. But it takes a lot of, I don't want to say motivation, because it's not about motivation. No, it's determination, determined that God is the one true living God. Determined that His Word is true. It's not truth. Because to say that something is truth, if I say this is truth, it means that I've somewhere measured it with something else 
in order to quantify whether this is true. Truth. Now, God's word is true. That means everything else gets measured according to the word of God. And then it's found to be truth. Do you hear me in that? And so the word of God is not just truth. It's true. And in that we find truth. And in that finding a truth, it makes its way working into us. So, 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 16 says this. Oh, man. And again, it's that thing of standing. Ah. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Nothing about that sounds easy to me. It sounds like work. I mean, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. Put everything you have, all the eggs in the basket, not on the here and now, but the there and then. You hear that? It will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then. I mean, I didn't know better. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I can't say it any better than that. We get to stand. We get to hold the word of God as true. We get to acknowledge him as the one true living God. And as we do that, we prepare ourselves and we determinate within ourselves that God, this is it. And we walk. Before I knew God, there's many things that I thought, this is good, this is bad. But now that I know God, now even some things that I thought this was good is not good anymore. Because it's not compared to, I don't base it on the things of this world. I base it according to God, according to His scriptures. Amen? So what we see here is that holiness is the characteristic of God's nature that is at the very core of His being. Do you hear that? Holiness is the characteristic of God's nature... That is the very core of his being. God is holy. The moment that God is not holy anymore, he becomes God no longer. And so we can't run away from holiness. But now what we need to do is we need to define what holiness is. See, holiness has got two parts to it. There's the part of holiness where it is separated from. So if I have ten smarties, 
and I take one smarty and I put it aside, this smarty technically is in some way holy compared to the other smarties because it's been separated from. We get that. Amen? But then a different side of holiness is this. So it's separated from, but also set apart for or towards. There's an otherness about that. I'm going to explain that just now. So there's a separated from. We see through Scripture, even through these Scriptures, it continuously encourages us to separate from the things of this world. Amen? You agree with me? There's a separating from the way the world thinks, the way the world works, the way the world thinks or feels, the way the world does the way the world defines, we need to separate from the way the world does things. But then in the same breath, we get encouraged to give ourselves to the things of God. Give ourselves, set apart our way of thinking towards the Holy Scriptures. And so let your mind be transformed through the words so that you no longer think like the world. It's not just a separating from. No, it's I set apart the way that I think, the way that I feel, according to how Scripture tells me this is why. So it's a giving to. Does that make sense to us? And a lot of us and a lot of Christians just go and they go like, I'm going to just set myself apart from the things of this world. But I want to say to you, these people that don't know God, that doesn't have Jesus in their heart, that's able to find ways of, it's, it's actually quite interesting to see how even in the world, the world realizes that we can't go on like this. And how they're trying to find the answer to kind of separate them from a life of debauchery, from drinking, from living just well, like... They're trying to find what this healthy picture, what could bring me into health. And so they're trying to separate them from everything that seems like it's obviously poison. Do you get what I'm saying? So even within the world, there's that need of going like, something is wrong here, and I don't know how to define it, but I need to get away from drinking. I need to have what I call it, sober January, what? Dry January, or like... They're trying to, I'm not picking on people that's drinking, so just understand. I'm just giving us something of the undergirding here. So there's this pull in even the world of going like, this is unhealthy. And so what that means actually is that if you just separate yourself from the things of the world, it still doesn't classify you as holy. Because holy is also you giving yourself to God. Because he's the only one that is truly holy. Everything outside of God, everything outside of him, will always be tainted and murdered by a certain degree. And the moment it is, it's no longer holy. Because we compare it to who he is. 
Because he's true. He's not truth, he's true. And so based on him being true, everything else finds its way. As Is this holy? Does it look like God? No, it's not holy anymore. And so for me and for you to merely just step away from the things of the world is not the answer to be a holy people. Does it mean we don't need to do this? Definitely not. See, because for us, we sometimes do the opposite. We go, come in Sunday, come out Sunday. Lord, you're amazing. You're beautiful. We worship you. But Sunday afternoon, the thought of God being the all-powerful, all-seeing, ever-present God has gone out of the room. And it's like God is not even a thought to you. God is not even do having, it, it, there's no God is here. We live in ways of where we just buy things to make ourselves feel better. We give ourselves into sinful nature in terms of porn, in terms of uh, um, fornication, sex before marriage. Entertaining things that actually will get us to a place of where we eventually will have an affair with someone. And I've got to mention these things because we can't, we, we all know it's there. And we've got, to, we've got to point those things out. See, God didn't put me here, and I'm not speaking about me as in Rian, but he didn't put leaders here to just say to us, everything is going to be okay, guys. Just hold on. No. We have been saved. And we're now called to walk as those that are saved and still continue being working out what that looks like. We are called to be those that's the example of the gospel, of the good news to the world out there. And if we're not going to be calling out and go, hey, Dave, that thing that you're doing there, bro, it's coming against who Jesus is. You're making space for the enemy to come and steal from you. I need to call that out, and so he needs to call that out in me. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why the encouragement here this morning is God's holy people. Live according to him, not this world. Don't look at this light. You're going to get killed in this light. Look at him. Because that is who you are. That is who I am. And we're not that because we go like, okay, cool. I'm not going to ever again work, walk into a bar. Or I'm not going to, I'm going to stop drinking altogether. And now because I've stopped drinking, now it means that actually I'm living a holy life. No. Do I need to maybe stop drinking? Yes. If it's causing me to not be an example of, for the good news, I need to stop it. I need to leave it. I need to run away from it. Flee from the devil. <laughs> but in fleeing from the devil, I give myself. I devote myself. I completely commit myself to the things of God. To his presence, to his word, to his love, 
to his redemption, to his grace, to his mercy. I commit myself to it. And that committing that happens is the Holy Spirit that's working in me. <laughs> Amen? So, okay. The thing is, is, only as we encounter God in his holiness is it possible for us to truly see and to find who we ourselves are. The practical life of the Christian flows from the vision of God's holiness. So, I'm going to have to skip a couple of things here. Otherwise, we're not going home tonight. (laughs) Just making sure you listen. (laughs) So, quickly want to go here. Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 7. Let's read. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I mean, you can imagine yourself. You're standing there as Isaiah, and you're seeing this happening, and he's going like, it is done, guys. It was good knowing you. It is over for me. Amen? I can see that. It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, lips, and I live among people with, a f- with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. Interesting thing to, to, to check there is that even this mighty creature that is in the presence of God, in some ways very holy, is not even daring <laughs> to touch the fire that's burning at the altar of God's throne. He takes it with a pair of tongs. <laughs> that's crazy. It like that kind of like bowled me over. He touched my lips with it. See this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. He didn't touch him with the tongue. He touched him with the coal. And in that moment, that holy fire, that very powerful thing comes and it touches his lips and he says, your sins are forgiven. I want to say to us that God, his heart towards us is to bring us into his presence. His heart towards us is to forgive sins. His heart towards us is to make us his own holy people. His royal priesthood, his great inheritance, his great possession. 
And that same coal that was touched there on that day is the same salvation that me and you gets to receive, gets to walk in. We have not just been separated from. We have been set apart towards Him. That is who we are. Me and you. And in that moment, after the the seraphim spoke to Isaiah, he gave verse 8 there, Mike, 6 verse 8. Is it 6 verse 8? Yeah, 6 verse 8. Did I give it to you? Not. Did I? Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. We often use the scripture and we say, who wants to go out into all the world and go do great things and go to this country and that far country? And But I want to say to us here, friends, so when I look at the scripture, I see God standing in front of us, in front of me, in front of you. And he's saying, hey. Are you willing to take up the there and then and go through the year and now and face what is needing to face? That's what I see there. I see there a commissioning of a holy people. A holy people being set apart towards the mission of God's will. Of God's plans for this life. And so in this life, God calls us to live out and understand and know what His will is. But we can't know His will and we can't understand His ways if there's not both the separating from and the set apart towards Him. There's this illustration of where people take um, two toilet rolls. And then they roll it out, kind of like just. And both toilet rolls, funny enough, always never go in the same direction. They always just go wink. And so they speak about the life we live here and actually what God calls for us. And you, you kind of can walk in with both feet on this toilet roll. But eventually, it becomes a thing of you going like, okay, I need to now choose which one I'm going to go at if I want to be standing on solid ground. And that is the picture for me and for you. As we have got to go, like I'm not willing to, I I can't walk on both. I need to go either here and say, "This this is no longer me. Or I need to go here and go, you know what? I'm hoping I make the right choice. And that's what me and you are sitting with here today. Romans 8 verse 15 says this. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, 
you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. The NIV says this, and you can just keep it up there. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you about, brought about your adoption to sonship. It's like I had parents whose name was Kobus in Sarki Fanikerk. Now, I'm Joachim Jacobs. Completely different name altogether. Different surname. <laughs> Just saying that is Clint's second name. So, <laughs> not really. So, and I'm going, to be, I'm going to be ending off with this. A while ago, um, I told you about just some of the things that I felt like the Lord doing in me and challenging me. Um, and so, kind of like my story about health, and when I say health, don't think, but just I've been trying to exercise, trying to eat healthy for me, not healthy as an umbrella. Um, but one of the things that I felt the Lord challenged me on is to stop eating bread and stop eating meat and stop eating sugar, okay? And um, I'm still there. It doesn't mean that sometimes I will meet with some of you and just because that's the setting, I'll eat a piece of meat and eat a piece of bread. But the moment I get back home, I go again, I stick to it. And I've tried to make this my life now. Um, and something that I, that, and the reason why I'm telling you this is this. Do you know that feeling when you get home and you've kind of eaten supper and you sit on your couch and you're like ready to chill a little bit, but somehow something in you feeling like, oh, what I just ate, I know I'm not hungry, but man, it's not what I wanted. And I don't want this, and I don't want that, but I don't really know what I want. I'm a little bit confused. Does any of you add that? Put up your hands. I want to see who you are. Come on. (laughs) And so you get that feeling of, man, I'm so unsettled. It's like, ah. And then the only thing that you list for is that packet of chips in the cupboard. And you eat that packet of chips. And after you've eaten that packet of chips, you go, ah, it's not that. <laughs> I think I want something cold. Oh, this is ice cream. <laughs> ah, I've eaten too much already. But man, why am I feeling like... That is the picture of the desires of the world. Something that I've recognized in just my journey, is it's been months since I've really felt that feeling of, ah, I'm so, it's like inside of me, I can feel that I am healthier than, and cleaner. Can I just, if I want to make it something that's not, I, it, I can feel I'm cleaner on the inside than what I've been Previously, five months ago. And it's been 
man, it's been eye-opening to me. And as I was preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord said to me, like, Rian, that is what I'm looking for in my people. That is what I'm looking for in you. And he's speaking to me. I want you in that place where desiring for the things of this world and whatever it is, I'm not just speaking about physical things. But I'm speaking about because there is the lust of the flesh or the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Those things are there. They're present in all of us. But there's this thing that is so difficult to define and so difficult to suss out. is this thing of the pride of life. I want people to look at me a certain way. I want them to feel a certain way about me. I want them to think that I'm amazing. I want them to... And that thing feels, it sounds so, so innocent. It sounds so, like, noble. But yet that thing causes us to go way off what actually God's plan is for us. It creates this picture of I'm meant to strive towards that thing. And then when you get there to that thing, you realize I'm still the same person. Maybe it's that promotion. Maybe it's leadership in the church. But God is saying he wants to call us to a place of where we stand in front of him. And it's actually we go like, oh, Lord, I'm so clean on the inside because of what you've done. There's nothing my heart desires more than being with you. I'm not just separated from God. I'm set apart for you. When God speaks to us about being a holy people, I believe the emphasis of his heart is that we would set apart ourselves for him. Not just from these things. These things, they muddy the way we think. They muddy the way we live. They make it more difficult for us to set ourselves apart to him. 1 Timothy 4, just to reiterate my point here. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding the promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And that is why we labor and strive. Because we have put our hope in the living God. Who is the savior of all people. And especially those who believe. Set apart for. Let's pray.